Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 105. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days, I should change that to used to catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone, uh, good to be back. It is the Monday night uh, main podcast show. Uh, Feels like we've done a lot of these recently. <laughs> yes, it, look, it's, it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, I think everyone's probably expecting me to go off the deep end and I'm not going to have a rant tonight, sorry, uh, if that disappoints you, but we are going to discuss uh, some things about the Aston Football Club and some concerns. Uh, look, how I want to start this conversation is is I'm going to actually uh, do something different and play you two uh, sound bites. Uh, and what this is, uh, I want to give the, the contrary... Uh, arguments here and and I think it's important for a show like ours um, to have two different arguments. Grant. Mate, you, you said Grant thing because I had my finger up on the Zoom, which is hilarious. Um, just before <laughs> you play those posts, right, one thing I wanted to say about the show tonight is that we could go through the game and the possessions and all of the stats <laughs> like we usually do, means a little, yeah. but they're real bad and they're depressing and look – we could do the we could do the summation of the game in five minutes flat. We were real bad. We didn't win a single statistic. And did I mention that we were real bad? <laughs> so the way we're going to do something tonight is a little bit different. Scotty's got some brilliant um, brilliant grabs from some people that we think that have that have been speaking on the subject of how we are as a football club at the minute that we respect and that have knowledge and experience in the game of footy. So we thought we'd play those for you now and it's going to drive the chat that we have a little bit later on. Um, and then uh, we'll also have our roving reporter, uh, Neil Ackerman-Knackers um, from Bomber Blitz. Um, he'll be on the show a little bit later on too. So back over to you, Scotty. Yeah, and, and Neil will be interesting. Look, it'll probably be a little bit of a slightly different Neil sh- uh, kind of segment tonight because Obviously, he doesn't live uh, uh, near Royal Pines. <laughs> yeah, the, the budget to send him up there doesn't extend that far just yet on the podcast. So, uh, but, you know, I, I was talking to Grant and I thought I'm just genuinely interested to see what Neil thinks of uh, of what's going on as well. Just to, as uh, he, he has quite a, a calm mind. He's been, he, I think he's been to almost every game since since 1970. Well, he's 106 uh, years old, so he's been around the shop uh, for a while. He's going to really hit he's you hard. About. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, it'll be good to have Neil's perspective on, and that's what I wanted. I wanted different voices. I didn't want our voices to just be the same old messaging. Uh, I thought it was important to get some different perspectives and not, you know, one that we may even sometimes disagree on. Um, and Grant's right about, you know, just the last two games. Yeah, we could cover... Uh, stats and everything, and and it was interesting because we won the clearances again, but uh, uh, but realistically, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, issues that I see at the football club and the makeup of the side, and and um and and yeah, and I, I thought let's get some experts to have a chat. So look, I want to start off with Ron Connolly, who was on his Footyology podcast. Um, this morning and, and before anyone asked, yes, I actually did contact Rowan who got the permission. So we, so again, the, the budget for the podcast most definitely does not include being sued. So yes, we rang. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, this is Rowan just talking about 
his view uh, about the Essendon Football Club. And for those who don't know Footyology, check it out. Uh, and, and Rowan and Ronnie Lerner and all the guys there, Glenn McFarlane, are, are great reporters. Just, so. just, just brace yourself, though, everybody. Watch, yeah. the, uh, watch this. Have a listen <laughs> to this. It's kind of coming off the deep end, but here we go. Yeah. Well, I am speaking for a, I, I hope someone from Essendon does hear this because I think I'm right in saying I'm speaking for a large percentage of the supporter base which after two decades of sustained mediocrity is bloody sick to death of it. And they're sick of being told to be patient, that we're, uh, the list is developing. It's not, guys. It's never going to be a list good enough to even come close to winning a premiership. I think that it's a list which would struggle to even win a final. So it's no great surprise that they haven't won one since 2004. And there's been false dawns. Uh, they've topped up with senior players from other clubs, most of whom have been good value. But if that's to uh, supplement the rest of a senior 22 that isn't good enough, it ends up setting you back. It's easy to be wise in hindsight. I think the biggest shortfall at Essendon for a long time now has been both the recruiting and the development. I think they've both been very deficient. Ask, ask yourself this question, Essendon supporters. Name one champion player that the Essendon Football Club has produced of its own volition since 2000. Well, I can think of one, Joe Watson, and he was a father-son who they had first dibs on anyway. Who's the next best player Essendon's produced in that time? It's probably Dyson Heppel. Danaher, another father-son, and he's done it for five minutes in the context of 20 years. It's probably Dyson Heppel who, as good as he is, is also not a superstar. Essendon's recruiting has been consistently substandard and its development of the young players it has drafted has been absolutely mediocre. And I think this is a club that is far too satisfied with far too little in terms of what it produces on the field. And I just went through the 20 and I was able to find in 10 seconds six blokes, seven blokes in that side who any of whom, if you are playing them in your best 22, you are not anywhere near a premiership side. I'm not going to bother naming them because I think I've uh, dug the boots in enough now, but it's fair to say I'm pretty pissed off with my club. And before anything positive happens here, there needs to be a massive reality check about where that club is in terms of a power because it's not. So that's <laughs> okay. Now then, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, we, uh, we at the podcast we've had a bit of uh, had a bit of direct feedback, is what we'd call it at the podcast um, from listeners. And you know what? We love every second of it. We love the we love you guys' feedback, and we love the hey guys, you're going a little hard feedback. Wow, <laughs> I don't know that we went as hard as Mister Connolly there. Yeah, but. It, it, it was it's incre- it's incredible to hear that from a bloke who is a dead set Essendon um, fan, like he is a dead set diehard Bombers fan, to hear that kind of feedback coming out of his mouth, which is very telling. It's telling for a bloke who knows who's forgotten more about the Essendon Football Club than you and I will ever know. That's really, really um, uh, strong words. Yeah, really, really strong words. So uh, that's obviously, you know, Mark Robinson uh, in the Herald Sun did a, a quite a scathing uh, piece as well. And I think on uh, 360 tonight on Foxtel, he's doing the same. He's doing a bit of a uh, uh, magnifying glass on the club. And, and this will happen because, uh, 
you know, I, I, I sense and, and, you know, I get interesting communication from very uh, people around the club of fairly high profile and high standards, not high standards, but high profile, but, uh, uh, and who are, have same concerns. Uh, so uh, I think the Essendon Football Club is at an interesting point in, in its in its club history to uh, have a, a a reality check about um, the lack of success that's just ongoing and not quite sure there's actually hope yet. And I think that's what fans are, are craving for. But I want to I want to at least do a contrary kind of argument, and I think it's really important that we have this kind of say as well, because it's from Brendan Goddard, who's our 2016 um, captain, captain so, yeah. of the club and, and a very respected voice um, and a very passionate man. And he's pretty passionate about our club too. So let's just hear Brendan and then we can have a, a quick sort of summary chat. What, what kind of the thoughts are from myself and Grant. And look, just so I know, it is from RSN Radio. It's, it has a little bit of a fuzz in it. So just uh, bear that in mind, but you can hear him clearly. Here we go. Morning. It was Jimmy Bartell, and he asked Adam Ramanaskis. So, when you're watching the Bombers, what what do they stand for? Do you see what what they stand for when they play? Can you do they have any identity at the moment? Well, the Essendon Football yeah, Club. Well, not not not. I don't think now, but I think it was obvious what they were trying to do earlier. Even though they got the results, but it was obvious about the implementation of the plan. But I'm 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 the glass half full because you, you got to remember that the transition they're going through, you know, Rutten, Warsfold, even though Rutten now is firmly the head coach essentially and doing doing most things, but even the game plan that as a player it, it takes particularly this might take a long time, long winded answer, but the preseason interrupted. So Ben Rutten's come in, Carousel has joined them at the end of last year. They didn't get a chance to actually train a new game plan and implement it enough as they should going into a new season. And we're, and now they don't have a chance to train it now. A lot of these other teams have been together and been on the same path in terms of game plan and, and the crux of it anyway, the foundations of the game plan for a number of years. So it takes it takes a while, particularly for a youngish team, better than a youngish, it takes a little bit longer. So... I, I kind of see the inconsistencies through a lack of repetition and training and pre-season trying to implement something new. But that's where I think this now, this lack of identity come from because I think earlier in the season we all we all saw what they were trying to do. Yeah, it was very Richmond-esque, but their team defence had looked like it improved. They, they said they talked about it and trained it a lot and highlighted it. And then as the season's gone on, at this because of the lack of continuity with it and repetitions with all that stuff, it's, it's kind of, it's easy to erode. So that's uh, Brendan Goddard. Um, uh, and it's, look, I've been trying to think about these two cases because in a weird way, I, I think they both have um, uh, some merit in, in, um, in, in what both are trying to communicate. Cause once, coming from a player's perspective in Brendan Goddard, uh, knowing for him that uh, a new game plan takes several years to, to I guess, to master. Uh, and he's saying, obviously, they're just – Carousel has only just come to the club. Uh, they've had an interrupted preseason. Uh, then, obviously, in, in February, they've had to take um, massive time off 
They haven't been able to train. When they've come back, they've only can train in groups of eight uh, and have a one session of non-contact training. So in reality, he's what he's really trying to say is like, how can you – I can understand why they don't have an identity on the field because uh, really Carousella has had not enough and, – and truck, I should obviously add them both uh, – hasn't had enough time to implement what they want to do. I guess my counter argument to that, and I actually think there's some very strong merit in that. I I have no doubt we would be um, more looking like how we were the preseason. It was no doubt we had on our podcast, so we would be lying ourselves that we said, oh, you know, we saw the West Coast game. We saw, I think it was another game. I don't know if it was a Geelong game or Geelong in in Colac. Yeah, yeah, and, and we went, oh, we can see. We saw one or two quarters of a, a different style of ball ball movement and and uh, we could see what they were trying to do. And that, that was probably the longest period of time where they've been able to train for the last two or three months before that uh, with continuity and obviously on with obviously contact training and, and, and you could see a little bit of what they were trying to do. And so it, there's some merit that since the preseason ended and then the COVID hit um, that they've come back and, you know, lost it a bit. Now, I think a, a, a yeah. bit, Scott. Yeah, well, they're all over the shop at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Not, not, not lost it a bit, man. Then I, I appreciate where you're coming from, and and I, I, I really like both of those clips opposing each other. Now that's from you can't not respect Brendan Goddard and what he did as a footballer, um, and the kind of hard nosed approach he has as a footballer. Um, I've got a massive amount of respect for Rowan Connolly. Like I said, he's forgotten more about AFL football and especially the Essendon Football Club than you and me will ever know, and. The bit that I, the only argument that I have against that is that I'm still on the Rowan Connolly side because um, Brett Ratton has had exactly the same amount of, well, probably not exactly the same amount of time or slightly more time uh, with his players at St Kilda than Trucks had at Essendon, right? With Carousella. Now, if we put, if, if Carousella came in and said, right, we're doing the midfield this way now, here's the way we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. It worked at Geelong. It worked at West Coast. And since then, have can you tell me a game where we've even looked like, remotely looked like, we were trying to implement that same game plan that we saw in those two games against any other team? No, zero. Uh, zero, right? So I would be I would be okay with if the Essendon team under Carousella is implementing a new midfield game plan and a game a game plan uh, in general. And each week we were trying to do it. We were trying to play that same way and our game plan was X or Y. If it's short kicking, it's short kicking. If it's running quick through the middle, it's running quick through the middle. Every single week, if we were trying to do that game plan and you could just tell there was some blokes out of out of position or they didn't quite get it or whatever, then you'd go, look, they're trying. They're going to get this. Repetitive, anything you, you repeat, you get good at. Right, so I, I the bit that I can't understand is every single week you expect them to come out and try and play like they did in those two games, and yet you don't see it for a minute. Not for a minute do you see that game plan or whatever game plan Kara's got. And it's, I still have a massive amount of faith in Kara, but I don't know where is the game plan that we're trying to implement that at some stage we we stuff up or it costs us a goal here and a, a goal there. Every single week, and in the first quarter that we come out, 
we get overrun in every first quarter. We get overrun and we the first sign of two goals, three goals being kicked on us real quick, we instantly go back to trying to handball underneath people's legs and these dinky little tiny little handballs in a five-meter square space. And then when it turns ugly, they kick it over their shoulder and bomb it down the line and just bomb it, bomb it, and bomb it, and bomb it. Where is this game plan that they're trying to implement? Why can no supporter see it? And why is nobody from the club referencing the fact that it's not there? Other than we're still learning. Patience while we learn. Learn what? Yeah. Uh... You, you, you and I watch this game as much or as, as anybody, and you can be damn sure Rowan Connolly watches this game more than anybody on the face of the planet. If he can't understand what the game plan is for this club, then surely the Bombers are going to come out and say X, Y, and Z. We're not doing it. We're working with the players. They're not responding. And like you said, I'd love for somebody to come out and say, but it's three quarters of the way through a season now. The midfield can train together, right? Like you have to be able to put something in place whether they can train and learn what Carol wants them to learn because they're not doing it. They are not responding to what Kara is saying to these guys, and it just can't keep going on week after week. And I will say, um, look, uh, that's more. That's you're, you're becoming the takeover rant person. I'm, I, I'm no, impressed. I, I, kind of, I kind of am. Like, I, again, because yeah, I've got fun. so much respect for both of those blokes, I, I really do see their point, and I see where Brendan Goddard is coming from. In that, you look at the doggies, man. The doggies were no good. After their premiership, they were no good for a while. And then they got a couple of players in and they got, um, I don't know, was Beveridge there for the premiership? He yeah, was, yeah. but they were no good for a while, right? And it took them, their game plan, they had to change it around, whatever they did post the premiership because it wasn't working. They had to change it around and it took them a couple of years to be a half-decent side again. Now, I appreciate that that's, that's what it takes. When you get rid of a head coach, you get rid of a whole heap of staff at the club and you bring in Cara and you keep halves and you get rid of Skipworth and you get rid of all these guys and you change the strength and conditioning coach and you do these things, right? That's a major overhaul for the club. And it means that the players now have to learn something different again from what Wusha was there for the last three years, right? Now I appreciate that, but the club hasn't got time. We don't have time for like Rowan Connolly said to try and make a list that isn't performing good. We've been waiting since 2014, like you said, in the patience. We want patience. And then he says in 2017, we want patience. 2018, patience. 2020, patience. It, not this club, man. I'm sorry, not this club. Something not drastic, but something uh, it may be drastic. influential <laughs> has to happen. Sorry? It, may, it may be drastic. Uh, it may be drastic, yeah. That has to happen, man. They've got to do something. They've got to say something or be seen to be doing something because this kind of effort and these kind of results are not okay at the Essendon Football Club. No, and I think that's the. I think that's where Rowan's Conley Conley's coming from is just the perceived acceptance of mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and look, we're not stupid. Obviously. The club wants us to win a grand final, and, and but there's there, there's that danger of of when you're perceived of being a lack of um, com- competition or competitiveness within a club year on year, then doesn't you, look like it's hurting. Them. You can only feel like that comes from the top. Uh, you can only feel that way that that the that 
what is the messaging is coming down, whether it's from coach, assistant coaches, CEO, president, whatever. It's what is the message of demanding um, excellence in everything you do and, and demanding that we strive for grand finals. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I, I don't think we're a club that's had that kind of communication. And I pointed out, the, the, you know, three weeks ago, I, Melbourne looked like us, right? And they had, they had been a bit of us. You know, Melbourne and Essendon have, have been following very similar paths to me where I, I see guys in the field and go, oh, he's good. He's got a bit of X factor. He's got a potential. Um, and, and then, you know, it was good to see, for me, it was good to see the Melbourne president three weeks ago after a really bad loss just say, you know what, I've had enough. You guys are insipid. You're soft. I mean, he's, he's calling him out. Like he's saying, this is this club is standing for nothing. And what? What happens in the next three weeks? They win on an average of nine goals. They win by eight goals, ten goals, and nine goals. Uh, and the message was clearly sent. I've had enough. Uh, because people know their jobs are on the line when a president puts his foot down and that's what happens in business, and that's what should happen in a football club. Where and, and that's why I, I I still believe, and this is my personal feeling. If if I'm Paul Brasher on day one, I'm announced the Essendon president. I personally, me, people will say this is crazy. You're overacting. You're over emotive. I call a press conference and say, you know what? From here on, this club uh, will be a different club. We stand, we stand for a harder edge. We stand for excellence. We're not putting up with this 11th to 8th positions. That's not what this football club stands for. Uh, and if you know, for, from, from my perspective, no player's performance uh, is guaranteed from their paycheck, from their draft pick. Uh, and I, I start communicating that message. And, you know, it's okay to make it public. It's okay to drive set. You don't have to abuse plays. You don't have to, but you can make a very strong stance. And I and I would encourage Paul Brasher to have some very strong communication earlier on that sets a different tone because the tone is dead, and, and that's what the, the. But there is no tone. It can't even be dead. We yeah. don't even. You don't hear anything. No, well, we're not here. Yeah. Patience. That's all you hear. Patience. Just give us patience. Now, and, on the yeah. flip side of that, Scotty, is is that Paul should come out when he does it, I think, and say, and I 100% agree with everything you just said, right? Honestly, because, look, Brasher should come out and say, we've got, what, 11 players injured or something? 11 players that would be playing regular AFL football, right? But I, I would be saying, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm going backwards and forwards here because, look, even if he came out and said, I, I appreciate we've got injuries, so does every AFL club, right? I appreciate maybe they don't have 11 that are probably playing regular AFL footy out. And that's probably got something to do with the old um, fitness regime and the new bloke's going to come in and fix this thing, right? But what I would say to him is injuries are the injuries. I don't care. The, F, the perceived effort and the ability for the players that we do have, all of which are professional athletes, all of which aren't exactly Scott and I running out at forward in the forward pocket and center half forward. They're all fit. They're all young kids that know how to play football and they've all been under Kara's tutelage. They are expected to perform. And if they don't, they get dropped. Now, when the players come back in, that'll be great. But you know what? I heard Dan is probably going to play um, 
in a in the seniors next week. This is what the, I, I read that somewhere, Tom, right? Tom Brown's, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Okay, no, we'll just say well, Tom Brown reported it, so maybe not. It was probably what my sarcastic side says, but um, but okay, he's not. But look, not always accurate. You know what? I'm in a position right at the moment where you, <laughs> Joey D on his day is the best full forward in this comp. Like I, I would go so far as to say that on his day up and running, no one's better. Jeremy Cameron's not better. Tom Hawkins is the sun even shines on a dog's rear end some days. That bloke's half dead. He should be retired next year. Um, but Jeremy Cameron's probably the next cab off the rank or Kennedy. Kennedy goes all right, I suppose. But um, <laughs> You just realised Kennedy may be slightly better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hey, no, not better, but he's going all right at the moment. Anywho, um, what I'm trying to say is even if Joey D, our six foot seven, um, perfect last name, uh, AFL full forward, comes back into the side next week, I almost don't want him to. Because we're that we're that bad through the midfield, and we don't know what the hell we're doing through that midfield and into our forward fifty. That we're going to take that six foot seven freak of a um, footballer and waste him. Not even Joe is going to be able to shine in a forward line that has the ball coming into it the way it currently has. Yeah, well, that's he'd be a complete waste of time. If we were the gun midfield in the comp. And we just didn't have the cattle up there because X, Y, and Z weren't playing, or we didn't literally have the cattle to be able to put someone there, or maybe because our our forward line had Noah Gown and 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 some other young kid in there. You'd go, okay, fine. Like we need Gown to, he's going to improve, and that's all good. But mate, you put Joey D in there at the moment, and he's almost going to be wasted because of the way we're putting the ball in there. So don't think everybody that if Laverde and 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 Danaher comes back into this side. Every, all of our um, our problems are solved because they just aren't. It's the way that the players are the, uh, the I want to say the, yeah. the perceived way the players are approaching the game of football and how quickly they abandon whatever the hell game plan that Kara has for them. Yeah, because yeah, Danaher wouldn't mark stuff being kicked over his, over players' shoulders. And look, uh, well, before we go to a break, it, it's a good point about the the ball movement going forward, uh, because on, on the weekend when you looked at every midfielder that we listed, right, that played on that game, the highest ranked by Champion Data midfielder uh, for disposal efficient if disposal efficiency uh, was a hundred and fortieth, which was Zach Merritt. That's, that's that's incredible, man. That is damning. Yeah. That's that's a really concerning stat with a young midfield going forward, and that's why the concern is. And I've said this before: the last two, the Brisbane game and last week's game, it's it may be that the big-bodied midfielder is a bit of a myth. It may be not as big as issue as as I as I even I think because we're winning the clearances. Yeah, every every week we're doing it. We just aren't have zero composure. Or understanding on how to use the ball, and that's a it's a really big big issue. And when games are won out of the midfield, boy, have Essendon got some real homework to do. And there may, you know, I'm being perfectly blunt. They may need a reconstruct of this midfield, and that may need one or two either names being, names. names being traded to yep. to bring in a more balanced midfield that has. Because we need some skill, like we, uh, we, we the the like you said, the, the Danahars. If say Danahar said, "I'm actually going to sign with Essendon next year," um, mm-hmm. and, and then Stringer comes back 
Um, and you know, you got Laverde in there as well. Yeah, so Orazio turns around and 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 starts to play better footy. McKernan suddenly your third tall. Uh, yep. Uh, the, it only you're right. It, they're only going to get goals like they have historically from from actual talent and genuine brilliance as an X factor from those guys. Individual bursts of brilliance. Yeah, which is you know that's one of my biggest complaints that the stringers and that they get their goals from individual unbelievable brilliance rather mm-hmm. than actual uh, methodic game plan and mo- and ball movement of just hitting him up on a lead. And uh, so, look, we'll go to a break. We'll bring on Neil. It'll be interesting to see what his thoughts are. Uh, I have no idea. I haven't even spoken to him this week. So, No, uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Be, he, um, I, got this, I got this feeling he may come in with a whole different take and, because he's a very <laughs> calm, balanced man. So he could shoot I'll, us I'll, down in a second. I'll see if I can fire him up. Um, he doesn't know this because he can't hear us at the moment, but let's see if I can get him to fire up a bit. All right. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then... Um, joining us now is our Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast roving reporter, Mr. Neil Anaka-Zakerman. Um, Neil is generally our um, our training podcast roving reporter. He goes to pretty much every training session with the Dons. This year, been a little difficult for Neil. <laughs> we, uh, Like I said, we haven't had the budget to send him up north, not just yet. Maybe when uh, we get picked up on ESPN, we'll be able to send Neil up to uh, up to Queensland to do more uh, more hub reporting. But uh, Neil, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks very much, Grant. Thanks for having me again. Um, I think you might need to uh, pass it with the Queensland government too. I think they might have a little bit of a say in that. But, uh... nah, look, is that Berejiklian? Is that uh, Gladys? Um, is it uh, the other one? Yeah. I, I can't remember. We'll we'll sort it out. We'll get our people to talk to their people. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get you. Some, <laughs> we'll get you some golf clubs and send you to Royal Pines, mate. And you can yep. you can come back and tell us all the info. So look, yeah. uh, look, you won't know this, but we've just discussed uh, a little bit about the Essendon Football Club and. And, and a, I, a little bit. A little, we've, <laughs> Grant, we've gone reasonably hard. I, I'm happy there's, to there's, there's a bit to discuss too. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. happy to say Grant's gone. Grant's gone more passionate than me this week, so it's a, it's a nice change of event. So, uh, but look, Brendan Goddard um, had it had an interesting comment around the development of the game plan, and that's where a lot of conversation has been around about the identity of the game plan. This. Bigger scope things about Essendon Football Club in general, but the game plan for the short term has been really addressed uh, and there's been scathing critics from Mark Robinson and, and, and Rowan Conley. And Goddard had a view that he doesn't believe really that Carousello and Truck had, has had really the opportunity to develop the side with such an interrupted uh, training, uh, I guess, schedule since November. And I, I thought this is where you could be, add some real value. Can you, just for the next four or five minutes, mate, can you just share a little bit what November, December, January kind of looked like and then post-COVID, after kind of the February, what did it look what it looked like and after that? And just some of your observations about how hard it might have been for the coaches. Well, as has been documented in the past, uh, it was Truck and Carancello were, were pretty well in charge from the start. I I think they had um, a bit of time to enough time to put the game plan together, and they were practicing it. But one of the problems was is that, as I see it, the game plan 
is um, very much what, what was called out at training one time uh, when when someone went for a, a kick in board. It was the uh, uh, no risk lateral. I think it was Francis or someone trying to kick inside. Um, so what they were trying to do is is go down the go down the line a lot. Um, if there was nothing inside that was really obvious, and that has of course been a bit hampered by injuries as well. To to do that, you've got to have uh, you've got to have the players that can mark it or force a contest down the line. Now um, we don't have a our, the makeup of our list. We don't have a really great marking side, but of the of the midfield. The two best marks probably are um, Stringer and Heppel, and they've been injured. Um, we've been missing Joe, obviously, and hopefully he's back soon, maybe this week. Um, and uh, the and we haven't had a second Ruckman, which is, I think they've been copying the Richmond game plan to a large degree, but Richmond have always played a, at least a couple of Ruckman. So, and with bell changes not being uh, uh, either fit or mobile enough, um, I think that's hampered it a bit. But uh, as well as that, you know, once the, it, it seemed to be going okay uh, through into March when we didn't have, uh, when it looked like we'd have availability of players uh, rel- relatively soon. Um, but then, of course, it got into uh, the groups of eight and the, uh, and the reduced uh, training and everything. And uh, they ha- I don't think they've really had an adequate time to chance to really adjust with all these um, practice games that you will scratch matches where they're just uh, really hit and giggles type affairs. You don't really have a, a chance to uh, change what you're trying to do and what you've worked at um, through the year because what they've ended up with a uh, and uh, another one that's been missing, of course, is Alberti. And Stewart was a lot, uh, took a lot longer to come on. Um, yeah. So the game plan that they were working towards, uh, they couldn't really implement because of personnel to a large degree. Yeah. And, uh, and that's made it uh, very difficult. Uh, you look at the, the game at the weekend and killed at the first half, they were largely doing what they'd done in the past, which is bomb it down the line. They just got smashed. Um, you had Ryder and Marshall and, and various of other their, their tools just chopping it off every time. In the second half, they changed it up and went to a more of a running game, uh, which was good. And we got it inside 50, but we just don't have anyone inside 50. Um, I don't think Stewart or McKernan is the number one key forward, um, but that's what we're working with. And then the, uh, you know, when you're missing probably your three best forwards, Danaher, Stringer, Fantasia, um, Laverde was looking really good early on before he got injured. Uh, you know, you, you, it makes it really hard to implement and then change a game plan. So I, I think they had time over the preseason to work out what they were going to do. Um, but the the game plans of a lot of teams, I think, have changed from from the first. Uh, couple of rounds. It was very much like what Essendon were trying to do. Now it seems to have gone to the, a lot more of a running style game. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's very hard to change these things on the run when you can't play practice matches, when you can't have full-scale um, uh, training as well. And then you've got the shortened schedule so that a lot of the time that you are spending at training is more around recovery. 
rather than uh, any tactical changes that you want to put in place. So it's and you know, and they've had you know maybe ten of their best twenty-two out. That's going to affect anybody. Can I so, ask uh, just quickly, Neil? Um, I think there's a lot of merit in in some of the things you're saying, especially with. Yeah, I, look, I think there's a merit to say when you have a game plan, you're going to have a game plan around your, your, your I guess, your top-tier players, right? So you go, well, this is yep. how we want to structure Danahar, Stringer. So I, I actually get – that makes really good sense and it's a really worthy comment to say, well, it's hard to structure a game plan when that preseason you didn't have some of those guys um, yep. who are able to actually do it physically on the ground. Uh, but – how can I ask your personal opinion? My my biggest fear is the skill level uh, uh, and ball use and composure of the midfield. Where I, I I I'm genuinely concerned that even with this top end talent coming in, that for me, you know, this is me being honest, right? Uh, in 2018-17, I still felt like there was we weren't exactly the most skillful. Um, team and it still needed Stringer and Danaher to have um, in their in their different kind of years individual brilliance and, and X factors yeah. rather than a, a a fluidity in in the ball movement to set them up on a lead or, or doing necessary blocks from other forwards to get space. Um, that's where uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on what our midfield because that's where my concern is to be honest. Well. I- yeah, I, uh, there, there's certainly some merit in that. Um, to you know, not pardon the pardon pun, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, see what you did there. <laughs> yes, there it is. There. Um, I think uh, a lot of it comes with uh, the, the, the the game plan has been to try and take away a lot of the flair to me and be predictable and down the line. And yeah. I think blokes like Merritt, um, who is, in the past has been one of our best ball users, um, I think he's second-guessing himself with his kicks sometimes. I think um, I think it's had quite an effect on Francis's confidence because he's a player that, that likes to see an opportunity and, and just go for it. And, uh, and he'll slam a... a, a a 50-meter pass, you know, 10 feet off the ground to the midfield, if he sees it. But, but now he's second-guessing himself a bit on that, and I think it's it's uh, translated a bit to his whole game. But that's not the midfield. But you know, when, when you talk about uh, Shield has never been a great kick, um, Heckles a so-so kick. Um, I don't think Parrish is particularly particularly great. Um, McGrath, what do you think? Um, well, McGrath is is a great handballer, but he's he, again he's not a, he's not a great kick. In either they tend to float a little bit, and um, they tend to be just really bang bang it forward a lot of the time. Unless he's kicking it, he's pretty reliable over. Um, and that's you know, I'd, I'd cut McGrath, Neil. I'd cut McGrath some slack there. We've said it, I've said it on the podcast a couple of times. Is it? I, I know they're floaters. I actually I'd agree with that. Some of his kicks are a bit floater <laughs> and a bit sort of mung, but um. He's the bloke on the bottom of the pack. Yeah, he's the bloke and, that's and, getting and, the twenty-five and, touches, and he's and, the and one that's, that's rifling out of a pack. Yeah, he he really wants to be getting it out to an elite ball user, yeah. who um who then um, um you know delivers the forwards. Um, look, the other concern that that's certainly one concern I have with the uh, with the 
midfield is that the we don't have an awful lot of polish in it. We also don't have the real big body in there. They've been they played Clark the last couple of weeks, who's a bigger body and not in his position um, though, which is weird. No, that's a bit strange. But but he can't kick. And I don't think he's ever going to be able to kick. He has a really bad ball drop. Um, and uh, maybe they can fix it. Maybe they, maybe they can't. Um, but the other thing, the thing that the thing that I'm a little bit worried about overall is um, the profile of the list. You know, most of our midfielders are, are small, mm-hmm. um, and most of them can't mark. The the one that I'd say is a good mark is Heppel, has been out. Um, Stringer's obviously a good mark, but he's more of a forward than a uh, than a midfielder. Um, Langford seems to have come on pretty well. Uh, you know, he's 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 sweeping between midfield and uh, and uh, and the forward line, and, and is taking some good marks. But a lot of them are and, yeah. uh, just just small. And, Cutler, and then you go to the, and so I was going to say, and Cutler for his height. For some reason, just doesn't really have a marking presence, which is frustrating. Well, to me, Cutler doesn't have that much of a presence anywhere. <laughs> with with his, 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 you know, he's um he's he's a good size, he's a good athlete. He can bang the ball long, but he's not a particularly good kick, and he's just not particularly physical, and he's not a particularly great mark, and he's not a you know, particularly clean hands. Um. Which is, uh, <laughs> uh, which is unfortunately exactly what I saw during the preseason. Yeah. Um, you you yeah. know, the, a, a lot of people will will think, um, what can you actually pick out of, of training? But if you if you're looking for specific things at training, and the thing I always look, I always go with binoculars, and I um, really um, to, to get a close up look, and I want to see if, how clean people are. If there's little fumbles, if there's and and training translates to matches. If someone's fumbling in a, in training constantly, they're going to do it in a match. And and he was like that. The other one was like that was Hibbert, who was um, recruited as mature age uh, yep. uh, midfielder, who was hopefully going to help our help our list. He's a you know he's a reasonable mark. He's a pretty good size. He goes in pretty hard. He's a little bit on the slowish side, but his hands just don't seem to be good enough to me. Yeah, and uh, John, it's funny, just quickly, um, it's funny because when you say about you can actually see these things at training, you really can because you sent, yeah. me, you sent me a text in December, right? And yep. you And this is what it said. Uh, Jordan really is going to have a breakout year. I, I can, I'm seeing it already. And that's the biggest understatement already. <laughs> that's uh, if you had had 50 bucks on that one. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that was a – I actually, I got, a, I, I, I met on um, your Facebook page. Uh, somebody asked me who I thought was going to be the, uh, um, who was going to have the breakout year. I said, without a question, Jordan Ridley. You know, didn't, don't even look at anybody else. And yeah, so I was, I think bad. I've been pretty good on that one. I'll take that one. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so um, can I, can I ask, um, I, I guess probably moving away from the side, you're, you're obviously, you know, you're a, uh, uh, a person who's watched Essendon for a long, long, long time, and that's not to say I'm ageist or I'm not putting you down. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but I just started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you did, you know, you've told me all about the 1941 grand final and all that sort of. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Going over to Reynolds' house for dinner and stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
That, that's that Thurgood was a player. What a kick he had! <laughs> but look, can you tell me as your from your perspective of where you see the club today? And this is not even just on field, right? This is this is just as an operation, as a, a, a team uh, mantra, that kind of thing. Uh, do you? Uh, you've come from, you know, we had really bad periods in the seventies, right? And and you would have seen that. Uh, where where does do you what where are your concerns well, today? Uh, well, uh, I'm happy it's a transition. I tell you what really annoys me is is the smile on John Worsold's face at every press conference he puts on. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see him look hurt. I'd like to see him. Um, you know, come out and say, "Look, this isn't good enough. We've uh, we, we've we've got to be better than this." Um, and I don't see that. I think we'll see a lot more with truck. Um, yeah. Just as you've noticed yourself, Scott, in um, it, it, the training sessions, he's he's one that will uh, berate players, and he'll stop a session, and, and he'll yell out what he wants, and he'll demand that he uh, that things have got a bit better. It's it's a funny sort of a year at the moment with um with with the two of them and particularly with um, Worsfold doing all the media work. I mean, it's basically truckers running the show, but then um, it's sort of mixed messages. Yeah. If you know what yeah. I mean. You, you've, yeah. you've got one uh, Worsfold who's very much the the um, the calm, uh, methodical, um, never get flustered sort of person um, who's putting out the public messages. Uh, as a, on behalf of the playing group, and you got Truck, who I think is a uh, uh, a lot more passionate about it, and I think he will get stuck into the players a bit more. I think if it was if it was just Truck at the moment uh, running the club, I think the messages coming out will be completely different, and uh, and players often do feed off that as well. Um, you know, the you, you're sort of getting a bit of a free kick from Worsfold in some ways, in that um, it's not like we're learning from this and, and it's, going to, it's going to improve rather than just getting having one person coming out and saying, look, this isn't good enough. And that's what the club needs. It's, um, yeah, okay. So, Neil, if we – so I agree with what you're saying. I think the, the two-coach thing – look, I, I don't know. Show me a place where it's worked so far, right? But anyway, um, it is what it is at the moment. Given the fact yep. that – and I've, I've said a couple of times when I've got a bit fired up and a bit of a rant jumped into my, my mind that I've, I kind of, I look at this club and I go, we're not Frio and we're not some busted ass lower end of the, uh, of the um, competition club. We're, we're the Essendon football club, damn it. Yep. And we don't, we don't play or perform like this. It's just that that's yep. one of the reasons why we have the most premierships in the entire competition and we are who we are at the Essendon Football Club, right? Because we don't do this. We, we don't play like this. We don't perform like this, right? So, again, off my soapbox for a moment. Yep. Is, do you think and, and, that, be- and that message has to come right from the top. It's, you've, you've got to – it comes from the president, it comes from the board, who pass it down to the, the GM, to pass it down to the uh, – the football manager who passes on to the coach who passes on to the players. There's got to be a consistent message from the entire club that um, we're not in this uh, to be nice. We're not in this to be liked. We, 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 yes, it would be nice to be the most inclusive club and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, we're in it to win premierships. We're not, we're not even here to play finals. You know, we, we're not, you know, I don't care the fact, or I do care the fact that we haven't won a final in 
since um, yeah, but um, but I'm not I'm not particularly worried about winning finals. I'm really worried about winning premierships. I'm I'm worried about, about um, being top four and being a, a serious a serious threat for the premiership. And um, and that attitude has to come right from the very top. And all the way so, down, the entire club has to has to be as one with with demanding success. All right. So, do you think that it would the club would be benef- would be benefited beneficial by or would it be beneficial for the club if yeah. we just went okay? Thank you, Wusha. You've been great for the club for the period of time we've been here. You helped us through the saga. I actually still reckon he was the perfect guy to bring in with his composure and all of that media stuff. And we deflected a hell of a lot of crapola that we probably would have had to have come, uh, would have had to have dealt with as a club if we went straight for truck or somebody like that. Right. Thank you very much, John. We really appreciate it, mate, but it's not working anymore. And again, because we are a club that doesn't accept this kind of mediocrity, we're going to make a big change. And what yep. we're going to do is hand it over to Truck right now and yep. attempt to reset the year halfway through. Because I'd, I'd hate yep. to see I'd, us. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be perfectly happy with that. And it's not even okay. a big reset. Oh, the only the only real difference, as far as I see, is you'd have a different person fronting the media at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I, 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 so, I think that's going to be fine. <laughs> What you what you, yep. what you what you will have different though is have a sole coach with his job on the line, and that's yep. that's exactly. when you that's when you react very differently to losses and wins <laughs> when yep. when you're not at the end of your career of the coaching cycle when you're at the start of your career of the yep. coaching cycle you have you fully understand you're in a big club and. You know, like like a Maddie Knights, right? Uh, when you're unfortunately when you're junior and you're starting out, you're only going to get two or three years grace. And if it's not working, yep. nothing's obvious. So, if if, if, if I'm, if I, yeah, he needs to set the agenda very quickly. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing better than than a situation where the when someone can say the buck stops here. If I'm responsible for this, um, if the team aren't if the, the team aren't um, aren't performing. I'm the one. I'm the one that's, uh, that's that's responsible. It's my fault. I've got to get them to perform. At the moment, nobody can do that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a it's a it wasn't a bad idea. I think. Um, it it probably is something that could have been phased out after, or probably even when we went to the break. I think he's, he'd had enough chance to uh, to embed his ideas to. To uh, work out how he wanted to uh, train the team, how he wanted to get his message across, because that's the that's the thing about a new coach coming in, um, particularly the first year. There's you're in charge of just so many people all of a sudden, so many people are coming at you for different times. So it's not a bad idea to have someone like Wurzel as a mentor to be a sounding board to to uh, work out how to even even when there's uh, disagreements between the playing group and, and Different personalities don't get on. How do I do this? What's the best way of going about it? But he had enough, But by the time he came back, and it's July, he's had enough time to really go through all that. So um, I would have been happy even when they, as soon as they came back. But just they just said, okay, well, you know, truck, you're in charge now. All right. But, you know. okay, now what we'll do, Neil, is we'll take a uh, we'll take a bit of a break. Um, now I want you to have a think in the break. 
I've got a question for you. Given our current list, and it is a reality, and I think all the listeners need to understand that we can go off and say we the Bomber should be doing this and we should be better than this and we should be better than this. Damn, we've got a lot of injuries to really, really, really good players, right? Um, and if they were first-year rookies that we've never seen, then you'd go, it's not so bad, and we had Stringer and Danaher down there. But it is, seriously, 11 of our best players, right? Now, we will take that into account. So in the break, Neil, have a think. I want three bullet points from you on what you think is the priorities for the club to turn. And again, it might not mean mean we get wins, but what do we, what do they need to do? Three bullet points on what they need to do to turn the perceived lack of effort around this kind of the the lack of effort and what we're currently seeing, what do they need to do in three steps? Just no pressure, (laughs) just just three steps. And we'll come back after the break and we'll see what you think. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, before we head back to Neil um, to uh, to get his answers to my question at the, the, the other side of that break, we've got a sponsor, Scotty, a sponsor that helps us put this little dinky podcast um, together each week. And that sponsor is Speaking Finance. Speaking Finance are, are finance brokers. They specialize in personal and business loans. Um, so say if you're a, a, a tradie or you're looking for a new car, they can help you out with the paperwork um, for a new loan on that as well. Um, they can help you obtain business loans for new plant, new equipment um, for the job site as well. Uh, maybe you're Daniel Grollo, you're in the boardroom, um, you've been contacted by Donald Trump and he wants to build Trump Towers at the top of Collins Street. They can help that man out as well. Well, it just so happens that uh, Adrian Tadoro even contacted me midweek. Uh, and Adrian I, did, did he? Did yeah, he? and he's talking about Ollie Wines, bringing him into the club and going, how am I going to give him the salary cap? Uh, I don't know my financial status. So um, I said, look, mate, just look, we've got a team here at uh, Speaking Finance that can help you out with the finances uh, on side of things. So uh, true story. That's probably not, but but yes, it's a... a look, true, true story. We'd like to say it was a true story, but you know what? I mean, Steve Ems, Steve and the team down there at uh, Speaking Finance, they could help Adrian out tomorrow, sort out the salary cap if somebody's asked asking for a little bit much money they could uh they could sort him out for any loan that's required for the from the bombers well we probably could have helped us uh a bit a bit earlier in the piece when <laughs> we had the whole saga and stuff look steve and the team um mad essendon fans yeah, too mad mad essendon fans down there at speaking finance as well which is even even so much the better look mate if you want to talk to the team at speaking finance you can get hold of them on their facebook page um, or speakingfinance.com.au. Uh, they'd be more than happy to discuss business or personal finance for you. Um, or in fact, if they think Joey Deal uh, kick six on a turn or, or whether or not um, Scotty and I will pronounce any names incorrectly. So basically, um, Speaking Finance at the moment, they're our, they're our major sponsor here at the moment. And look, Speaking Finance... Uh, They'll have a they'll have a plan for your finance, even if the bombers don't have a plan for the rest of this season. So a massive thank you to Steve Ems and his team down there at Speaking Finance. Yes, speaking right. speaking finance where they don't have where they won't say to have patience every week. They just get it done straight away. So and that's uh, a really good point. That's the tagline. Speaking finance, <laughs> where we get stuff done and don't expect you to have patience. So, nice work. Thank you very much to those guys for being our sponsor. So back to Neil. So Neil, um, You've probably had a bit of a thought about the proposition grants 
put forward to you. Uh, tell us, did, have you had enough time to research and, and, and get us a, get us an answer? Even even one point would be good. Well, well, I didn't really need. I, I think really, I, I could think of what I'd like to see in in just one point really is the players to be given more license to be a bit more creative, particularly um, as far as centering the ball goes. And I, I saw a situation on the weekend where Merritt was. I reckon 25 metres all alone in the middle of the ground. Yep, and I can't remember who the player was. Yep. And nobody, everything cool of him. And the, and the player looked at him and then decided to go down the line. Um, there's someone like Jordan Ridley, who I think is one of the best medium-length passes in the game, uh, never goes for anything. Uh, if One of the problems we've got at the moment is we're so easy to defend against because everyone knows what we're going to do. So We're going to bomb down the line, and and what that does is it means that the players, the opposition team, can set up for it. And because we're not a tall team at the moment, we're not a particularly high marking team. We more often than not lose those contests, um, and the pressure is right back on our back line, who I think have done a reasonable job in the situation. Um, we've got so many players who are creative. Look at blokes like a Shearley loves to grab it and run. McKenna loves to grab it and run. I reckon if uh, and Francis would love to have opinion towards the middle of the ground, as does Merritt here, who always likes to pass it inboard. I think Ridley would do really well at that. Um, just, just creating that, uh, uh, yeah, a bit of unpredictability, yeah. and that run in the dare. And I, and I think it's something that the a lot of the players actually respond to. You, you've seen it when we when we do get that run through the middle, we look fantastic. Um, but we're just not doing it often enough. And uh, there was a play. There was, remember, there was a play on the weekend. Begley was uh, took took a mark, yeah, um, yeah. came over the top, and he just went back and stopped. And and I was thinking, um, okay, maybe we might have been um, outnumbered in front of the ball, but still, when you play on, um, it, it just creates that unpredictability, and that's what we don't have. When once you've um, once you've once you do that, well, then you can um, then you can set up behind the ball and create the pressure coming back. Whereas at the moment, where um, all the numbers are around the contest, and we, we're just losing out on it. Was well, a, I think yeah. that, that alone will make a big difference. There was a wasn't that an interesting call uh, by Luke Hodge? The play where Shield f- was about to just take an easy mark and fumbled the ball, and it forced him to actually do a creative handball to get rid of it. Yep. And and yep. it actually and then it forced us to run through the middle. And and it was yep. you know, I thought, gee, Luke Hodge has got a really good football brain. He he called out straight away and said, Isn't it interesting that that fumble actually forced Essendon to move creativity yep. create creatively yep. through the middle. Um, and then actually generates a goal. And and I, and you know what? There's a, just another thing too is we're becoming a team that's over-obsessed with switching the play when there's just literally no players on the other side of the ground to switch to. And we, yeah, yeah. It's like four on one on the other side. You go, why have you kicked it there? Now we're in a worse position. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and then they come back again. Yeah. And, and often they go, they go, we go backwards. So we start out at the 50-meter line, and then we're in the back pocket. And now we're just trying to clear it so they're not going to get an easy shot on goal. And, and it's still bombing down the line. A lot of the time, mm. um, I remember the. Um, I always used to love watching the Geelong teams uh, during their um, their heyday there, 
Yep. And they would they would play on constantly and and they wouldn't know where the next kick is going to go to. But all they'd know is that uh, by playing on, they would make it the make it really hard for the defence to know what to do. And and players would just be you'd have three players popping up. Yep. And and that's what happened. And particularly seeing that a lot of our tall players have been out injured, um, we've got to create that sort of spark for the for the smaller players. If you you know, the the number of times I've seen Tipper going and trying to either mark it or 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 punch it away, yep. whereas whereas he should be at the uh, at the bottom of the pack. Yep. Trying to create something. It just makes it so difficult for him. Yeah. Um, so, so I think just that, and 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 look, if it, we can't really go too much worse than we're going anyway at the, at the moment, can we? No, so, no, not really. And, and it was interesting. Matthew Lloyd um, uh, has just commented tonight on his thoughts. Someone's on three AW. They've asked him his thoughts tonight on Essendon. And look, I'll read you read the response, and it's good to get a whole varied responses which we've had tonight from from various yep. people around the club with you know who has a bit of respect. He's got my main concern is that I've never seen any consistency within a season and a hardened football team that you can turn up and watch and see a great effort. That gets me more and more. That gets me more and more than anything. Than and it really upsets a lot of people that have been told by John Worsfold to have patience, have patience. How long can you have be patient for? Uh, and he's got everyone is fed up and sick and tired of what Essendon dish up. Yes, they were decimated on the weekend, but in reality, St Kilda had the game won by quarter time. And so that's that's kind of his thoughts um, on what is happening. So um, yeah, and and personally, I don't think it's necessarily a lack of effort as such. It's that teams know because teams know what Essendon are going to do, and they set up for it. Um, they they get players free, and and you can't tackle somebody if you're ten meters away from them. We're, we're just we're just not getting close enough to them to tackle. Sometimes if they if they play the way we we'd like them to play, we we can gang tackle and pressure them. But but other times, um, teams are just reading now what we're going to do, and and we don't get near them. So yep. you can't tackle them if you're not near them. It's um, yeah. So it's uh, but but does, there is uh, a does Joey D make a difference if he comes back? Does well, he make a difference? Considering well, he does. How, he does if he plays well. He, <laughs> well, yeah, but considering how badly we're moving the ball through the middle of the ground and how how badly our forward fifty entries are going, does Joe D make a difference? Look, if if he comes in and he kicks, and he looks like he's going to take a mark, he doesn't even have to take the mark. But if he looks like he's going to take the mark, and all of a sudden you've got three defenders um, racing at him, trying to spoil, and all of a sudden um, Tiffers on the ground. Trying to row rather than, rather than trying to spoil himself, well, that makes all the difference. Yeah. You know, one one, one player can um, can change it because all of a sudden uh, the the defensive structure of the opposition is thrown out of out of whack. Mm. I remember um, who was the game? Um, I think it was the uh, the 2016 game against um, Melbourne, where um, where he kept on taking mark after mark, um, but couldn't kick a goal. And, and there was a point, um, uh, there's, a, there's a time there where they had about four or five defenders running at him and he took the mark right in the middle of them. Um, you know, we're not getting that sort of uh, pressure amongst the defence at the moment because uh, well, Smack is unfortunately really sadly out of form. Yeah. 
mm. and um, and Stewart's not a great contested mark. He took a he took a couple of marks the week before, but um, most of them were right in the front of the lead. So they're not put, putting any real fear into the opposition, yeah. and that's what you want. The opposite you want the opposition to to fear what's going to happen with the with the ball going forward, and that throws their whole structure out. Yeah. And then they get more people behind the ball, and so when they do get the ball to try and clear it, they don't have the uh, they don't have the, the numbers to kick to on attack on counter attack. Yeah. So one player can make a difference. Whether it, of course, he's got to be playing well. But I, I'd, I'd certainly play him. I'd. I can't see any point in playing him in a scratch match at the moment. The way the season's going, he's either going to be uh, up for it or he's not. Okay. And I don't think okay. I don't think a scratch match is, is going to make too much difference. I, I've I've been a bit disappointed it's taken him this long to be uh, to be ready actually because I I thought he was pretty fit. Well, just after we came back, I thought it was a. Uh, mm. um, I, I thought he looked like his general fitness was pretty good. Um, um, well, um, look, I've just looked at the time and realised. We're well over the hour, so I, I better. Uh, we, we better <laughs> again. We, we better. We better. We better wrap up. Look, a massive thanks for joining the show, mate. Um, I, no, I, it's always a pleasure. Always great to have a chat. Yeah, so we'll, we'll hopefully see you in a month or s- in, in, and have a bit of another catch up. See where it'd be interesting to see where the next sort of four or five weeks go. We basically basically play. Yeah. For the, fu- well, for, the, for, hope- for the top five teams in the yep, let's hope Joey is in contention for the uh, for the Coleman and we're uh, and we're oh, one of the baby. premiership. Wouldn't that be good? Yes, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> all righty, mate. Uh, all all okay. the be- all the best, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, thanks. Neil. So thanks, to, thanks again to Neil for um, our roving reporter. Our roving reporter. Look, we'll we'll just quick, very very quick wrap up. Thanks everyone yep. for your your support for the show. The numbers have been fantastic. Um, yep. And it's and it's been during a, a tough period for the club. Obviously losing three on the trot. Um, well, actually we had a draw. Sorry, but not winning three on the trot. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. So. Uh, I, I want to make sure – oh, actually, sorry. Um, I want to make sure the Indigenous round is recognised this week. It, it's very important. And, look, I did get a message uh, from the from the Long Walk, and so if it's okay, I just wanted to read out um, a few things about the Long Walk um, that celebrates the Indigenous round and Long Walk's yep. obviously been a, a key part. So, um, look, they just sent me a message to ask if I could read this out, and I really want to honour them. And because our show fully supports, obviously Michael Long and uh, and and his support, absolutely. So it just says every year in Melbourne, Australians from all backgrounds show their commitment to reconciliation, solidarity with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples by walking with Michael Long to Melbourne's iconic MCG. Two thousand twenty marks twenty five years since Michael Long took a zero tolerance against racism, which led to the AFL introducing the racial vilification code. We're now the virtual long walk will be a five-day online event leading into the Dreamtime into Darwin, matched at, at TIO Stadium on Saturday. So, how how can you take part in the virtual um, walk? From August eighteenth to 20, 22nd, grab your favourite walking gear or even pull out a Guernsey beanie or a scarf of favourite sporting hero. 
Uh, walk in your neighbourhood on your own uh, if it's in Victoria. <laughs> if you, but, but absolutely, lunchtime catch-up podcast says stay within the rules. <laughs> a friend, uh, if not outside Victoria, and you're allowed, or with absolutely, a group, please make stay, sure it's all legal. Please stay within COVID nineteen restrictions. Um, Show your solidarity with Michael and uh, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people by sharing an image video of your walk on social media or if unable to walk, um, post a message on support solidarity using a hashtag, the virtual long walk, and we walk together. So, um, yeah, they've just got to amplify your passion and the significance of the social media post. You could print a mini virtual long walk banner, include it into your uploading photo. Just one of many things that you can do. You can use a story template for your Instagram posts uh, and various things like that. So right. uh, the, I, I, it would be a good idea because obviously it's a, it's a lot different this year and we're not walking to the G. So I really like the idea of doing the virtual walk and doing it through social media and doing it through various ways. And whether it's your exercise walk that you do by yourself around the block, uh, put it, you know, post it on, put in the hashtag, do it as a solidarity support and support for Michael Long. Absolutely, mate. If you're on a treadmill at home, if you're on a <laughs> treadmill at the gym, mate, that's that'll work as well. Um, mate, any, anything we can do to support Longy in that walk um, is great. So, um um, take some time, have a look at that um, on the net and see if you can support Long and his team. And look, just uh, on Thursday, we're going to have a, a, a an interesting guest on our Team Changes show. So Bempty from Bomber Blitz, if a lot of people would know that from Twitter and Bomber Blitz, who's very strong uh, support for Indigenous programs, education and football. Uh, he's going to join us and just have a chat about uh, the importance of what football does for the Indigenous community and how we can help support. So that will be on a uh, part of Thursday's Team Changes show as well. So we look forward to that. Speaking of our Team Changes show, a couple of quick thank yous to some new Patreons uh, that we've got on the podcast. Um, big thank you to David Collins, who's a new uh, Patreon. Rezel Coker, who's um, fast becoming a very, very wise commenter on the on the FB page. We like Rezel. Um, Daniel, no last name, um, Anthony O'Dwyer, O'Dwyer. Thank you, Anthony. Um, Simon Thomas and Joel. Um, could be Billy, not quite sure, but it's just Joel. Um, so thank you very much, uh, guys, for Patreon. If you're not a Patreon yet, have a think about joining us on the Patreon page. Um, you get two extra shows a week, our reaction show after each game and our Thursday night team selection show. You get cool guests and stuff like um, the guys we're doing on Thursday. Um, also, two on our main podcast, which we're doing right now. We're going to be having some massive guests on here too. So um, there'll be plenty of guests to be thrown around. Now, Scotty, I do have to ask you, can are we any closer to promoting properly potentially <laughs> Essendon or potentially the Lunchtime Catch-Up? I was going to say it's Essendon's biggest. No, it's the Lunchtime <laughs> Catch-Up podcast, potentially our biggest show ever. Look, are we but, any yeah. closer? We can at least give you the, the basic details of what we wanted to do. Look, we, we, we wanted as a podcast to celebrate the 2000 grand final anniversary, which is the 20th year anniversary of literally the most successful uh, season by any football club ever in the history of football. Uh, that's just from win lo wins, losses. That's the most successful year of all time. And we want to celebrate the 20th uh, anniversary. Uh, we're going to, we've already got confirmation of several players who are on yes, that. Yes, there we go. We have got, we're not saying the names just yet, not saying the names just yet, but we have 2,000 premiership year players. 
So big yeah. names too, big names. And we're not Sorry, talking. We're not be any more excited if we try. Yeah, and we're not talking just one or two. We're talking a few more than that. So uh, it's yeah, baby. It, it will be a it will be a Zoom show that we do that we're going to put on video and audio, uh, and we're going to have a bit of a reminisce uh, with a whole with a oh, with man. a group of uh, Premiership players. Um, Scotty and, won't let yeah. me um, put the names that we've got currently locked in um, on the uh, on the site yet. We've got to just uh, nail a couple more little points and maybe, hopefully, some of the names that we've put an invitation out who are currently just assessing their availability. If we get these names, Bomber fans, oh, Lordy, Scotty and I will just be sitting there with our chins on the floor talking to these Essendon 2000 Premiership players. So the very second Scotty gives me the nod in the ability <laughs> to advertise this, you are going to see the greatest happy Grant Toss you've ever seen in your life because this will be a massive podcast. Video advised Zoom, audio, YouTube, um, yeah, uh, yeah. audio, YouTube, the whole nine yards. Um, it'll be a massive podcast. So the and second like, we know more about it, we'll tell you. It's important to note that we plan to um, put it out by mid-September. So the actual the actual show would be mid-September and we'll put it out one or two yep. days after that, after editing. Beautiful. So, uh, so thanks, guys. Yes. Uh, let's continue to celebrate the Indigenous round. You know, let's, um, you know, me and Grant always say, no matter what we feel, we're we always going to cheer the boys on every week. So as soon as the siren goes, we're going to be cheering on the boys against Richmond. Uh, at least we get a six-day break. There's something positive. <laughs> we actually get a half a rest. Yeah, you can get a rub down or two. Yeah, and I, I sense probably four or five changes coming in and, and much better players possibly coming in this week. So, yeah. Uh, and, let, mate, just between you and me and the fence post, how good will it actually be to see Joe? If oh, he plays, man. Yeah. Like, I, I I know I asked Neil that question about is he going to be sort of – is he going to be wasted considering we can't get the ball inside 50 like we want to at the moment? But you know what? Just to see that boy running around – it will put the fear of God in whoever is playing him because at the, he's still 6'7", mate, and he should be good. He should be up and about this time, and he should excited. be good. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he, mm-hmm. mate, he, doesn't, he doesn't get any less six foot seven. So it'll be just brilliant to see Joey running around and, and uh, the spectacle it'll be. So, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the negativity now. I'm, I'm all, all in for next week's game, and let's bloody we'll get a win. Yeah, yeah, let's go, Bombers. Uh, Thanks, guys, and we'll see you Thursday night. See you, guys.